his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Carberry gets over the line. Try from Munster. Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It was supposed to be the um, the final game ever between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady last night. And it was supposed to be a shootout and we were supposed to see loads of good stuff. But instead it turned out into a massive defensive struggle. Mike Carlson is with us. Mike, good morning to you. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm doing better than Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, probably. But, you know, they may have another matchup in the rest home in 20 years or so. You know, that might be interesting. Uh, it did not live up to the the pre <laughs> pre fight hype. No, that's that, that that's putting it mildly. I, I I think in one way you've got a, a similar problem for for the two guys in that they don't have the receiving core that they want to. Um, in Rogers' case, because Devontae Adams is gone, they haven't really replaced him. Uh, although Romeo Dubs made a couple of plays in in that game, rookie receiver, and in Brady's case, through injury, you know, once he once he gets the, the people back who he's supposed to have, it might well be okay for him. But uh, you're right; it was a defensive battle. I thought Tampa's defense, in particular, was really good, and it and it came down to. Um, a failed two-point conversion at the end of the game that would have sent it into overtime and prolonged the agony for most of the people watching. I, you would generally say, I think, that the first four, five, six weeks of the season, it takes a while for offences to get up to speed and it's generally a defensive struggle. And you can look at the games that... Um, uh, San Francisco have been involved in the greatest offensive mind of his generation, barely able to <laughs> rack up any points um, with a horrific mistake made. But uh, you take all that right as as the, the it's a cliche because it's uh, true and it's true because it happens year after year. And then you look at the Miami Dolphins, who have a new coach who have managed to find explosive offense immediately because that guy might actually be the most genius offensive mind in the league at the moment. <laughs> Well, I, that may be an exaggeration. Uh, and he comes from that same Shanna clan uh, coaching tree as the 49ers. Buffalo had more first downs in that game um, than San Francisco, than San Francisco and Denver put together, uh, had in their game. Miami was completely dominated for most of that game. They played very well defensively in a sense. But what killed Buffalo more than anything was the fact that they couldn't finish. They had over 40 minutes of possession in a 60-minute game. It's very rare for a team to have that much possession and lose. They had 31 first downs to Miami's 15. They ran 90 plays. They were dead at the end of the game. Guys were limping off with cramps. Um, it was it was in the 90s in Miami, very, very humid. They had almost they had 497 yards of offense to Miami's 212. And what happened was the same thing that's happened in Miami's other wins – they make a few big plays when it counts, you know, at, at the end of the game, especially at home when, when the other team is time. We saw the same thing with New England um, and in the Ravens game. And that's a formula for winning if your defense can keep it close. And the, the real difference in the game when I was picking games on Wednesday, which is always kind of too early to pick games in the NFL week, I said Miami's strength is that deep ball. They have the game-breaking presence of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you know, who can each make huge plays out of nothing. 
but Buffalo is a team that's constructed not to allow those kind of plays. Now, that was before Micah Hyde was lost for the season. Jordan Poyer was lost in the game. They had a makeshift secondary, and eventually Miami was able to take care of it. Whether this is Mike McDaniel's master plan, I'm, I'm not so sure, but it certainly was what they were looking for to make Tua Tungliaboa more effective as a quarterback by getting these deep threats in by Waddle by draft and, and um, Tyreek Hill by a, by a big trade, um, getting them in for them. So in that sense, the plan is working and Miami's been successful so far. I'm not sure how long they're going to be able to maintain that success when other teams are able to take Tyreek, say, out of the game the way the way New England did. And when I say take him out of the game, he had nine catches for about 95 yards, I think, in that game. But as long as he's not beating you deep, yeah. you can keep the game manageable. It is pretty exciting, though, that Miami have been able to inject this level of uh, pace and energy and smarts into their offense so quickly. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I you watch McDaniel on the sidelines. He looks like a, a graduate assistant at a college in a college program, you know, but he obviously is a smart guy. He's a Yale graduate. You know, I grew up in that in that area. I've, I've listened to obnoxious Yaleys all my life. Um, and, you know, he, he he's obviously got the team on, on the right page, you know, and and. In a sense, it's only a continuation. I thought they were getting better for the last two years um, under Brian Flores, uh, it, but it was his offense was well behind the defense. Now the defense is still okay, um, and the offense is catching up by leaps and bounds. Uh, so you know it, it's changed the tenor of that division completely. And with New England losing to Baltimore um, and the Jets reverting back to form, I, I don't think you can think that this is anything but a two-team race right now. Yeah, and, and these two teams are, are more than likely going to meet, hopefully, <clears throat> potentially twice more this season. Yeah, uh, hopefully in the snow at Buffalo. So It'll be totally <laughs> different, of course. Uh, <laughs> and what about Patrick Mahomes? Because, um, again, the early season narratives are they've recovered from whatever it was that uh, that happened to them last season. They've added relatively well. <clears throat> Andy Reid always creates and they're going to go on this cascading run, blitzing teams. But lo and behold, the Colts, who are not great, or certainly had started the season abysmally, managed to pull off a win yesterday. Yeah, this was one of those games that's really frustrating when you're watching Red Zone and maybe you have another game on, you know, to watch or to, and because every time you looked at it, it seemed like Kansas City was going to run away with the game. Um, and, and Indianapolis, the, the Colts defense was playing much more like the Matt Eberflus defenses of the last couple of years. They, they'd had some problems, I think, the, the first couple of weeks getting that. And Stefan Gilmore, who was their big money acquisition and, and um, has been mostly hurt for the, you know, since he became a free agent out of New England, had a couple of really big plays in this game. I think defensive players making big plays was sort of the story of, of the weekend. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to mention uh, Holland for Miami, who I thought just had a, had a brilliant game, but um Matt Ryan looked, you know, just com- completely unable to move to move the ball against that pressure you mentioned from the Chiefs. They they were one of a number of teams that sort of sold out to blitzing as a defensive strategy um, this weekend, and and they they just hung in and hung in, and then he he made a play at the end of the game. It, it very hard for me to explain how the Chiefs' offense is not working when if you're watching red zone every time you see it, it is working. So, you know, they're, they're not getting, they're not getting the bread and butter stuff. And 
to an extent, which I didn't think would happen. But the the idea of Tyreek Hill as the man who forces the double coverage so that everything else up now, it's it's Travis Kelsey getting the double coverage or they're sitting back and defying somebody else to beat them deep. And that's what they don't have. Kelsey had a, had a great game. He got open a lot, but he's not going to win a game by beating you deep the way that Tyreek Hill did. And I think that's something that they still probably haven't fully uh, adjusted to. Um, and then you saw the, if you were watching, you saw the argument at halftime, um, Mahomes going up to the offensive coordinator, uh, Eric Bieniemy and uh, really screaming. They were screaming because uh, he wanted to run a few plays at the end of the half, and Bieniemy didn't. Um, he just wanted to get in at at halftime. And um, Andy Reid came up and, and broke them up, kind of saying, "You know, he, Eric's not the Bieniemy, uh, Patrick. You know, let's, yeah. let's get this together." Yeah, I had to get that one in. There you go. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see how well or otherwise. Maybe you know when they're doing America's Game at the end of the season, the three of them will be sitting down, going, "Yeah, that was the moment where we decided we needed to get." together and you know turn the keys over entirely <laughs> to this guy and lo and behold something gets unlocked because it it, it feels like we're very much in a, a, a state of flux at the moment where stuff that we thought we knew before the season isn't entirely true and stuff that um, we thought was not going to be true is true like um, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, again the, the Jags Suddenly, that was great. I mean, that what a what an upset that is, and and, and I know the Chargers are beaten up, and Herbert isn't a hundred percent and all, but they played a, a really strong game on both sides, and you know, I, I think. First, the first thing you obviously say is it's the effect of coaching, <laughs> as opposed to having having Doug Peterson there as opposed to Urban Meyer, who who was kind of co- coaching as as a part time job. Um, it, it seemed with Jacksonville, you know, James Robinson was fantastic, and last season Urban Meyer didn't want to play James Robinson because he didn't kind of fit his idea. But obviously, Trevor Lawrence has been you know coached up. Uh, he looks very comfortable. Um, he, he looked you know he looked like the kind of guy we expected him to be uh, coming out of college and their defense is really so much better, you know? And um, I think, I think that when you, when you look at their defense, when you look at that Carolina's defense, you know, you said, I think early, the defenses are kind of ahead of offenses at this point to an extent that we didn't think they would be after three weeks. Um, but it, it it really is showing in, in games where um, you're getting double low scoring contests from teams who are expected to score lots of points. And, and I think it might say something to the weird preseason that the teams have not adjusted to the new style of preseason, which has far less contact practice and one, one less um, exhibition game uh, out of, of, and some teams kept, kept their starters out of those exhibitions completely. I, I don't think in a lot of cases that we're fully ready to go and we're seeing, I think, more injuries in the first few weeks than we would normally get, although yeah. I can't, can't swear to that. They're not battle-hardened. One last one. Um, we need to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I hadn't heard of Dan Orlovsky. Uh, that was kind of a time when I wasn't ah. paying that much attention. <laughs> yeah, the former UConn quarterback. Orlovsky was famous. Uh, actually, this is two things now. I'm going to have to just add, add one. We, we had the butt punt, a, a successor to the butt fumble, where, where Miami's punter kicked the ball into his blocker's rear end, um, and it went out of bounds for a safety. Like right, um, right up it. It was. Right it was up I, I mean, it was phenomenal. I don't know. You, you have to look this up if anybody hasn't seen this yet. Um, 
I don't know what they were thinking. Like it was ten years since the butt fumble. You know, if he, if they could have done this on Thanksgiving, it would have been the tenth anniversary. But, I, I, but it, it's brilliant. But like well, the reason is step the to one side, were, kick kick to yeah. the side, don't kick it up his hole. <laughs> yeah, he didn't think about that. But the reason, you know, they were they were in the end zone. So he, normally a punter's fifteen yards back from the line of scrimmage. This time he's only eleven, so everything was being rushed, um, and it had a big effect on the game. As, as well, they might have been better off taking, letting them kick the ball, um, you know, or getting the kick off. But anyway, um, Jimmy G. Dan Orlovsky was a quarterback for the Lions out of UConn, um, in fact. And in one game, he was being chased across the end zone, and he ran out the back of the end zone in, on a kind of parallel to the line without realizing it. And, and when you step out of the back of the end zone with the ball, it's an automatic safety. So the play ends. Jimmy Garoppolo in the game against Denver did um, sort of the same thing, except he was dropping straight back. He just dropped back a step too far out of the end zone, which turned out to be a good thing because he threw a pick six. And the fact that he had stepped out of the end zone negated the interception and touchdown uh, for Denver. So so by actually making what, what you would consider a dumb play, um, he, saved, he saved the team five points. Right. That's um, it's good when the best thing you've done is concede two points as opposed to <laughs> when that's the highlight of yeah. your day things are going great for you um, yeah. alright Mike we'll leave it there good stuff thanks a million ok thanks Cheer. cheers OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 